Welcome everybody to Chelsea Mic'd Up, an official club-sanctioned podcast for Chelsea FC. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you know world football had an historic week with the formation and dissolution of the European Super League. Chelsea have put out a statement saying they have begun the process of removing themselves from the Super League. There's all sorts of ambiguity, and the club, understandably, cannot go beyond its club statement presently. We occupy a very unique space here on Chelsea Mic'd Up. Number one, we're an American official club podcast, but we're also an official club podcast, which means when the club can't speak beyond it, we really can't speak beyond it too because we have a partnership on that very platform. And the club has thankfully afforded me the opportunity to explain to the audience why that conversation, a conversation that many of you are probably honestly tuning in for, the European Super League conversation can't happen just yet. It is my sincere hope that on this platform, which is a passion project for me, we can have a substantive conversation about the European Super League. So, where does that leave us? As a content creator, as a listening audience, where does that leave us with an episode that can't address the elephant in the room outside of just telling you, the audience, there's an elephant in the room? And... Reconciling that with on-the-field news on the eve of massive clashes with West Ham in the Premier League and a, a dream matchup against Real Madrid in the Champions League and an FA Cup final appearance that we would love to celebrate as well. Quite honestly, it was the women's team that made me want to put out an episode this week because they're on to something pretty historic. And while we bannied about possible solutions for this week, having already recorded an episode in the can, I just couldn't bring myself to not put out this episode because we have worked really hard to make the Chelsea women seem compelling to an audience, to make them informed, to bring interviews to the audience. And I couldn't in my right mind not do an episode this week given all the news there was on the field. And while I understand and appreciate loads of new audience that is coming here, hoping to hear very raw and emotional and real opinions that they probably heard earlier in the week on my other platforms, I can't quite give that to you. With all that being said, I ask for your understanding. And hopefully, if you're still with us, you're willing to give this episode a go and listen to some of the on-the-field stuff because... That's also kind of a big deal. So, in closing, and in fairness to the club, Chris Whittingham, you have that statement on you right now. Let's go ahead and read that club statement on the European Super League to the audience, move on with this episode, and get to some soccer talk. This was the club statement that they put out early in the morning on Wednesday. As reported earlier this evening, Chelsea Football Club can confirm that it has begun the formal procedures for withdrawal from the group developing plans for a European Super League. Having joined the group late last week, we have now had time to consider the matter fully and have decided that our continued participation in these plans would not be in the best interest of the club, our supporters, or the wider football community. We promise you coverage of Chelsea's women's team, a massive match against Manchester City, and few guests are better 
to welcome in and discuss this massive clash in the Chelsea season as a whole than Andre Carlisle. He's the host of the incredible podcast. I, I love the name of this. Fran Kirby Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> Andre, we love Fran Kirby over here. By the way, audience, I'd like to clue you in. I got a follow back from Fran Kirby. Whoa. I'm very excited. I know. I'm going to put that in the bio. Uh, <laughs> but if you want even more Chelsea women's coverage and Fran Kirby coverage, make sure to check out Fran Kirby Fight Club. Uh, Andre does a great uh, job with that. Andre, welcome aboard. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate the the plug on the on the podcast. Early is we we do talk a lot of Frank Kirby, but no, we cover Chelsea too. <laughs> now, is that the priority? Is it Frank Kirby one? Frank Chelsea Kirby two? one. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. But you get your you get your Frank Kirby update off the top, and then we kind of filter down and talk about the team. Look, we, we all eat, but Fran eats first. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I like that. I like that as a rule. Let's talk about what was being hyped as the match of the season. Uh, not the prettiest game to watch early on, but there were goals scored here, and there probably should have been more goals scored. But Chelsea get the all important result. It was the rare draw that felt like a win, just because Manchester City had to win this game. And Andre, they should have won this game. They were they were incredibly wasteful with some opportunities, but. Chelsea's goalkeeper, who Chelsea have got more player of the season candidates than I can shake a stick at. <laughs> Berger may be the, uh, the, the player of the season, saves their bacon with a crucial save in that second half. Your thoughts on this game? I was really eager for it. I was excited for it. I was a little bit sad that all the, you know, Super League stuff overshadowed how big this game should have been. And then, of course, Chelsea makes the semifinals in the Champions League. This match was supposed to be played on a weekend and they have to bump it up. And now it's played on a Wednesday. It's just weird. There are a lot of things that really took away from how good this match and all the promotion this match should have had. And then, of course, with Chelsea's lineup, you know, our captain. Magda Eriksson, she picked up a slight injury in the FA Cup when we had over London City. And Engel was playing next to Millie Bright in central defense. And that's not our best center back pairing. We had about our third choice right back in Jess Carter playing because Mary Mielda got injured. Not sure why Neil Charles didn't play, but that was happening. So I got really nervous <laughs> when I saw the lineup drop. And I knew that City was pretty much at full strength. I think they were missing one of their key central defenders. But Chelsea kind of did what they needed to do. You know, you, you get the goals. Thank God for Sam Kerr. Like, <laughs> she <laughs> creates both of them. You know, scores one, wins the penalty. But yeah, it was Manchester City's wastefulness and Ann Kretchenberger being amazing. That really gave us the point. Because other than that, it was looking like if anybody was going to score that third goal, it was going to be City. And I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah, credit to City for fighting that from trailing twice in this game to many people saying they should have won this game. They probably got lucky escaping without a card. I've seen I think in the Premier League we've seen that be a straight red for the goalkeeper on that penalty that Sam Kerr drew yeah. and then Harder put away the goal. And Woody and I were uh talking back and forth. That's a good way to keep Harder engaged as Sam Kerr is totally on fire right now. Keep your goal scorer engaged. Have them take the PK, an important PK. Let's talk about Berger, though. There's a legitimate argument for our goalkeeper to be player of the season here. Absolutely massive. Two PKs saved against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. Best in the world, you would say? Yeah, that's so difficult. It's, it's, uh, and I'll be honest, one of the things that's still, that, that I still struggle with is figuring out how to rate goalkeepers and like actually rank them. 
you know, stats are hard. And then of course you have just the style of defense, you know, some goalkeepers are called on to do different things, but just in terms of like pure shot stopping ability, it's really difficult to get better than Berger. I mean, that save she had on that header. I mean, it was a glanced header that should have been in the back of the net. And I don't even know how she reacted it quickly enough. And I don't know how she got enough, enough of her fingertips on it to get it on, on the bar. So, and it actually deflected and remained in play. <laughs> I know she didn't like mean all of that, but you know, it, it was just one of those wild things where I was expecting like, okay, brilliant save, but it's going to go out for a corner, get ready. And suddenly we have the ball and it's just, she's incredible. And she's, as you mentioned, the, the penalty stops when Chelsea are struggling at defense, that is like, she is the best goalkeeper. I think that can be on this team because her ability to stop shots one-on-one, I think is pretty unmatched. You know, I do think in the Champions League, we saw Christian Endler have an amazing save too, but consistently, Berger does it. We should talk about probably the other candidate for player of the season, that's Sam Kerr, who has just found this incredible run of form, scores today, wins a penalty. When did you recognize that it flipped for her from kind of struggling, not really hitting the... I mean, she was still scoring goals, but it wasn't like, you know, now can probably be considered one of the best players in the world. When, when did you see it flip for? You know, I, I wish I could remember the exact game, but really what I saw is her being confident with her feet. That's when it flipped, when she was finally confident with her feet again, and she was scoring with her left or her right, or she was setting herself up with her left and then her right, uh, scoring with her right. When she was doing that, I knew that that was, that was now the full Sam Kerr experience that everybody was about to get and what we're seeing right now, because she is... She's going to get her goals. She is nonstop. She's a nightmare to defend. She'll score headers all day. She'll score tap-ins all day. But when she is moving the ball and creating space, I think it was the goal um, against Wolfsburg in the second leg, I believe, where she pinned the defender on her back and then controlled the ball, kind of off her chest, and then with her left foot and then struck it with her right, right by the goalkeeper. That was, I, I don't always like to, or I never really like to compare men's and women's players because I think you miss so much because women's players are their own unique talents. But just that phase of play was so Drogba-esque. <laughs> you, yeah. She pinned her defender, controlled the ball, turned, smashed into the back of the net. We haven't seen that in a Chelsea shirt since him. And it was brilliant to see. And that's when... When she's scoring with her feet like that, impossible to stop. She can beat her defenders so many ways. She can beat a goalkeeper so many ways. Yeah. And and again, not to directly compare men's and women's teams, but I'm when I saw Sam Kirk cut it inside, I could only help but think of Timo Werner. I'm like, look, keep the goalie off balance. <laughs> Take this the straightest line possible to the back of the net. Sometimes they're they're pushing you on the outside for a reason, and Sam Kerr just keeps teams off balance. I have to give you an opportunity talk about the incredible and probable season Fran Kirby has had being that you're the host of Fran Kirby Fight Club. If we've talked about one topic on this show in regards to Chelsea's women's team more than any other, it's been trying to put in perspective what it truly means for Fran Kirby to return, not only return to the women's game, but return at a level that we hadn't even seen. She somehow got better. So I turned to you, the host of Fran Kirby Fight Club, to really put it in perspective for me. The dangerous thing, this could go on for hours. So I'm going <laughs> to keep it short. Uh, she is, so you kind of have to know a bit of her story in order to really understand and like grasp how she came. I mean, she, she lost her mom pretty early on in her career. That was very difficult. She considered quitting football. Emma Hayes was there with her, basically told her to take all the time you need. And then last season, 
she develops this heart condition called pericarditis that is just awful. She can't walk up and down stairs. She's got like debilitating, like fatigue. She has no idea if she's going to be able to play football again. She couldn't even walk around the house. You know, she was saying she was in bed. I think it was like 16 hours a day. She's been pretty open talking about that. And so from there, you're thinking, I don't know when she gets back on the pitch. Is this something she can fully recover from? You know, soccer is a demanding sport. Don't know how she's going to be able to play 90 minutes with this. You know, I, how is she going to recover? She answered all questions in like the, her very first match back. <laughs> Since that community shield uh, against Manchester City, which Chelsea won, it's just been, I call it... <laughs> So before all of this, she was super Fran Kirby, you know, kind of a playoff of super Frank. I've been calling her God mode Fran Kirby. This is a different level of Fran Kirby. She's been absurd. Her goal contributions, her goal scoring, her chances created. She has been unstoppable. We didn't quite see that today, but I mean, (laughs) given what we have seen from her, I can't even be like, I can't even be upset about it. She still had a, had quite the part to play and played it well in this match. But just, I am in awe of all she has recovered from, how she has recovered from it, and how she managed to turn herself through all of that into a version of herself that is even better than what she was before. I do not know another player that has done that. So with all the players that we've talked about, do you think that today's result has locked in a Super League title for Chelsea and... Given the field that's left, Lyon got knocked out in the quarterfinals. That's always the the giant to slay in the Champions League, but it's still Barca have been great in the competition. PSG and Bayern Munich left in the Women's Champions League. How far can this Chelsea team go in your view? I hate making predictions. <laughs> and I hate putting putting myself out there because it's frustrating. I hope they win everything. I think they have a good road to do so, at least right now from where I stand. Uh, or where we sit on the table. Um, we have two matches coming up in the league against Tottenham, should win that one. Uh, against Reading, should win that one. They're not walkovers, but they're matches that Chelsea would be expected to win no matter what. Um, Bayern is not on the same, is a great team. They're not on the same level as PSG, Barcelona, or Lyon, however. Chelsea should still be able to get that win in those two ties. And um, then it depends on who they get in the final whether they're going to be able to do it. I am concerned about Magda Eriksson's injury. They said it was slight when she left the game early against London City. We saw she wasn't anywhere on the team. She obviously didn't play today. So I am concerned about that. She is very important. As you saw, Manchester City's goals were not necessarily without fault from Chelsea defenders. So mm-hmm. she is important. She is very important. Yeah, Chelsea could have absolutely done better, especially on that first goal. Uh, Millie tried to, to back heel something that she seemingly could have stepped in front of. But also, Chelsea were a little lucky in their first goal, too. I mean, you had a player on the back post, but credit to Kerr for putting so much pace behind that header. The ball finds a way through. You realize what you're saying, and I think you couch it enough by not making an out-and-out prediction. We all hope that they win everything. But if they do... I want the audience to understand that's greatest team of all time type stuff. The measuring stick was probably the quadruple winning Arsenal team of a few years ago. What you're saying, what you're hoping for, what they are still in play for, especially considering the weird staggered FA Cup thing that even confused me. I'm like, wait a second, we're, we're still alive in the FA Cup? Great. Right, yeah. I, I, I thought we were out <laughs> of that. It's greatest team of all time. Men's or women's, by the way. Greatest team, greatest club team of all time if they do indeed see every single one of these competitions out with 
with silverware. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's been Emma Hayes' goal. You know, her primary goal was to win the Champions League. Um, we've had, I mean, just honestly, this team has had so many milestones already. And it's almost kind of sad that they haven't been able to, like, because the bar is set so high for this team, is people are like, okay, you know, still wait for the end of the year. It was, you know, wait for this match versus City to figure out what happens. Okay, so we didn't get the win, but we do have these two matches that are pretty winnable. If Chelsea does it, they finally secure the league. That's great. Uh, and then this semifinal coming up against Bayern. Wolfsburg was the team for Chelsea. So many times Chelsea got knocked out in the Champions League by Wolfsburg. And it was like, that's why MAs was so emotional after that. She was just like, it was a, it was a culmination of a nine-year project. And I think some people kind of laughed at that because it was a quarterfinal. It wasn't a final. It wasn't even a semifinal. But just in, in terms of what it meant to that team, it was so important. And so now that they got over that, I'm expecting to see them continue and realize that their dreams are within reach. And Emma Hayes is one of the most ruthless managers in women's football and I am expecting Chelsea now that they've gotten pretty much got the league taken care of, barring something catastrophic. And I would call losing to Spurs catastrophic. So we're <laughs> <laughs> not beating Spurs catastrophic. But after that, you're looking at Bayern and you're trying to get through that. And then, like you mentioned, the FA Cup. I mean, yeah, uh, it's it's going to be difficult for Chelsea to not come away with multiple trophies that is going to put them in the conversation. I hate that I said that, but I had to say it. Look, they've already got two in the bag. I'm counting that community shield um, because of, <laughs> hey, I look, really am. City can, that felt can. like a title game. That felt like a title game to start the season, given how the, the yeah. pandemic ended. So Andre Carlisle, host of Frank Kirby Fight Club. I can't say that podcast name enough. I love it. Absolute pleasure to finally have you on um, Chelsea Miked Up because you've been one of the leading Chelsea women's game voices out on social media. So make sure to give them a follow. We'll put your Twitter handle in the bio. And uh, thank you so much for enlightening our audience on what's been a dream season and could be, according to Andre Carlisle, the greatest season of all time. Why would you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. Introducing Perfect Play the most advanced football training app available. Developed with and used by the Chelsea FC Academy. Built with innovative player tracking technology. Featuring masterclasses from some of football's biggest stars. Offering world-class, personalised football coaching. So train with the best and become the player you want to be. Start training for free. Download on the App Store now. Pick of the litter here on the men's side. I think we rightfully prioritize the the women uh, because in that massive match against uh, Manchester City. But here's the buffet I am offering you right now. We address Super League. We have a league match against Brighton. We have an FA Cup semifinal in Wembley against Manchester City. And we have one of the matches of the season coming up now against West Ham. What would you like to discuss first, Chris Whittingham? I think as much as I dismissed the FA Cup as unimportant to Chelsea, once you beat Manchester City and you're in the final and you're playing Leicester, that's a massive occasion. And it was also the continuation of a theme for Chelsea. Uh, again, And we talked about that. You made me realize something that is absolutely spot on. They make their opponents look bad. Like, Chelsea made Manchester City look bad because there was a time where I texted you, is, is Ryan Sterling, like, not interested in winning this game? Like, there were so many times where Man City players look flustered. You go back and watch the highlights, they didn't create any chances. And Chelsea, 
beat Manchester City 1-0 in the FA Cup semifinal and kind of did so easily, like without much of a threat from Man City. I think that's like from an on-field standpoint, the headline, because in the Premier League, it's what's to come. It's this match against West Ham. Yeah, you drop points against Brighton, but it hasn't hurt you in the table. So now you got to go and beat West Ham. But getting to an FA Cup final is a remarkable achievement. And it makes it feel less Mickey Mouse, right? You you go through Man City. When you look at that draw and you see one side Leicester, the other side Southampton, many people pointing to this fixture and saying, well, that that's a cup final. I actually don't think so. Lesser game. Yeah. Uh, we have ultimate respect for Brendan Rodgers. Chelsea ties a uh, great manager, and that is a massive trophy for that club. Chelsea are in for a dogfight in this Wembley Cup final, which... Without the Super League, it would have taken an entirely different framework headed into that. And honestly, without Leicester having won the league, right? If they hadn't won the league five years ago, if Leicester City finished in the top four and won an FA Cup, like that's their greatest ever season by a mile. Oddly enough, Chris, when Leicester made this cup final, I'm like, huge for them, huge for that fan base. But this is actually a big blow. Considering their fitness overall, yeah. <laughs> it's a big blow to their top four chances. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, by progressing along in this competition, playing Leicester in this final, actually improved their chances at the top four in the Premier League, I think, regardless of what happens here. We've been the bridesmaid a lot uh, in the FA Cup final. We've come away with some, uh, but losing last year to Arsenal wasn't fun. I'd like to win one of these. Now you're in the final Please win the damn thing. But you know what I thought when I saw this Manchester City performance? And some people were saying the Manchester City lineup wasn't great. Don't do that with a pep side. He's a, he uses so... <laughs> KDB was there. K, KDB was yeah, there. I mean, like, it's like Man, Man City making changes is still an awesome team. They, like, they were they're awesome. incredible. They were awesome. Uh, Jorginho was awesome, by yes. the way. Defensively, we do not say enough because he's not the, the paciest of players. But KDB was pretty much erased by uh, Jorginho occupying those passing lanes. It was a brilliant performance. What I thought while I was watching Chelsea play Manchester City was, man, a lot of people were telling me that ah, Chelsea made a Champions League semifinal based off of the quality of the opponent. Porto weren't offering anything. Letico Madrid weren't offering anything. Well, that's Manchester City. That's Pep Guardiola. They weren't offering anything either? We're not going to give Chelsea credit? Yeah. They're not offering anything because Chelsea are making them do exactly what they want. Their defense, when they are cooking and humming, is so succinct that they will make teams look like they are not trying. And that's exactly what they did to Manchester City. Again, you go back and watch the highlights. You don't go, oh, man, they should have scored that one. Like, their shots on target were straightforward for Kepa, who, by the way, is having a nice little run here, Kepa. Yes. Under Thomas Tuchel... He's been playing pretty well. He made a massive save against Brighton. We'll get to it. He made a huge save to keep that game nil-nil. Keeps a clean sheet here. They don't give away that many chances. They're difficult to play against. And Chelsea as well, like, had a fair bit of the ball. Like, normally Man City deny you the chance to have the ball. Timo Werner at times, you know, spreading his wings on the counter. And there was one, you know, fed Hakim Ziyech for a goal that was disallowed for offside. Christian Pulisic also scored a goal that was disallowed for oh, offside. Oh, what a beauty that was. Right. That, that was great take. That was, that was, that certainly, was a great take. That was more offside than I thought the first one was, which I still want. I don't know what it is about FA Cup matchups at Wembley where I can't get a, a <laughs> godforsaken replay that can tell me something <laughs> definitively. We need to get on that. I had a problem with that first one. But the second goal, it's a shame. He was clearly offside, but... What a finish yeah. from Christian. What a dribble, what a finish, and you can see the confidence there. Ziyech, I want to see him more on the field. And then he wasn't quite good against Brighton, uh, but I think you're right to give Kepa credit. I wanted to shout out Jorginho. Um, let's talk about this Brighton game, which was obviously framed 
by all that was going on outside of Sanford Bridge just minutes prior to the game's delayed slightly. Mm-hmm. Keppa, a surprise starter, uh, doing well under Thomas Sukol. I think part we've, – we've seen a surprise Premier League start from Keppa before – the fixtures are, are starting to mount up, but he, it's a goalkeeper position. Part of this is a business decision by Chelsea, and Thomas Sukul is playing ball in that respect. And Kepa, to his to his credit, is not making Thomas Sukul regret mm-hmm. the decision. He was big against Brighton. Chelsea lucky to come away with a point. Brighton were more game, should have won this game. The giveaways from Zuma and Jorginho, very sloppy. Thomas Sukul, we'll throw it a sound right here, of the, of the Chelsea manager, courtesy of the Fist and App, said this was weighing on their minds can always happen you don't you never want it to happen but we we had only two days in between so we decided for five changes maybe we should have done more in the end but uh, i thought that five is enough i want i didn't want to shake the whole team up and and do everything completely new normally we, we we can play a lot of games and we trust we trust a lot of players to to keep the quality up was not like this today. It was a was a was a too tough of a match today. Maybe we we lacked one more day to have three days in between to be fi- fully 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 fit. It was a huge distraction in the in the uh, uh, about two days since since Sunday afternoon. Everybody talks only about about Super League. We had absolutely no 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 questions in press conference no questions today before before the game about the match zero so everybody feels that and uh, yeah just, uh, in the end we're disappointed but on the same time we have to accept that we did not deserve to win today so it affects their performance chris one of the uglier games of the season and you're just happy to survive with a point thankfully you have that point, and on goal differential, you go up ahead of West Ham United. I think we can close the book on Brighton now. Let us talk about one of the clashes of the season in the Premier League. It's always difficult playing West Ham until it wasn't the last game. Uh, also, one of the takeaways from that game was Tammy Abraham scored. Tammy Abraham not featuring in that FA Cup semifinal. Future in doubt. West Ham were very difficult to play and then dropped an ugly result to Chelsea this year that didn't really make sense because it was in the middle of a a bad stretch of form, a form that inevitably got Frank Lampard fired, but it sticks out like a sore thumb. Now without Declan Rice, which is a massive blow to them, they are conceding at an ugly clip, aren't they? Yeah, their last four... Now, to be fair, they're also scoring at an impressive rate, but their last four results in the Premier League are 3-2 to Newcastle, 3-2 win against Leicester, 3-2 win against Wolves, and a 3-3 draw against Arsenal. They're conceding a lot of goals right now, so... Uh, but the thing is, is that Jesse Lingard is playing really well, incredibly well, one of the best players in the Premier League right now. This is bizarre. <laughs> Jared Bowen also as well up top. Uh, they've got some attackers that are playing li- really well, but they're a team that don't you don't know if you if they can withstand an, in- an injury like you said to Declan Rice. They've tried to change shape. They moved to a back three against Newcastle to try and kind of accommodate the fact that Declan Rice is not in there. Add another number, but. The drop off from Declan Rice, who's you know one of the better holding midfielders in the league, to Mark Noble, who's been a noble servant of West Ham, but he's getting on in years, and he's probably not someone you want to rely on in a run like this. Um, a team like West Ham just doesn't have the depth. So ultimately, this is a game for the Chelsea attack uh, attack to thrive. And I will say one of the things I wanted to get to when, when you're we're talking about the City performance, and even uh, when you look at kind of previous results, Chelsea against Crystal Palace, the attack is starting to look a little bit better. It's not consistent, but 
Chelsea can't have a game where they score two and three goals against West Ham, given it, given the rate that they're conceding. Uh, Christian Pulisic, a big reason why that attack is looking better. Thomas Sukol told the player, trust your body. Trust your body. And he's playing free, and he's looking like the player that he was. Not quite with the goal production just yet, but it's coming. He is looking frisky. A nice run of starts uh, recently for, for Chelsea here, at least in the Premier League. Got a little bit of a rest against Manchester City before coming on and scoring that game, that goal that they took away. Game of the season for West Ham, no doubt. Massive game for Chelsea here. Liverpool drop points, which was big. They're nipping at your heels. We we said that it was a must win going into Brighton. That was overstated very clearly because Chelsea moved into the top four with, with just a point. Mm-hmm. I thought the margin for error was eliminated with that West Brom game. It wasn't because you keep getting lucky with these other teams dropping points. But at some point, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, you can't lose these anymore. No. You, you can't. You can't. This is a six-pointer right now. You can't keep counting on Liverpool to drop points to the likes of Leeds. You can't keep counting on Newcastle to be helping you out here. I think Leicester are getting a little bit more healthy, which is a problem. You have that massive clash with Leicester that can really change the fortunes and get you into that top three and give you even more breathing room. I cannot overstate how big this is in the Premier League. It's probably the biggest game of the season because the the title race is basically locked up. Fulham in dropping points to Arsenal, the relegation race is probably done. And so this top four is really all that's left. And it's 4v5. The two teams are level on points. They're city rivals. And you'd have to imagine that Chelsea need to win this game if they're going to finish in the top four. It's just crazy when you look at their run of fixtures. Every game from here to the end of the season is huge. So if I were to say to you, which game is bigger, this one or Real Madrid on Tuesday? I mean... You can either you're three games away from winning the Champions I w- League. I, w- I will not follow you down this path. <laughs> <laughs> I will. We'll find the points if we drop if we drop points uh, to West Ham on, on, on Thursday. I was just you, about you, to make the observation. <laughs> this has been such a loaded episode of Chelsea Mike Up that we haven't talked about the fixture that we've all been dreaming about for decades on end. But that's just uh, life here for Chelsea Saturday, Football Tuesday, Club. West Ham to decide your top four, or at least part of your top four fate. And then a semifinal first leg in the Champions League against Real Madrid. That'll be the next time we speak to you on the heels of that game. Let's quickly make predictions for the West Ham game. The London Stadium, West Ham. I'll go, just because it, it's been high scoring for West Ham, I should pick a draw on this one. I'll go for West Ham 2, Chelsea 2. You're going draw. I, I'm going to read into the fact that Chelsea won quite easily without putting up a really good performance. I think West Ham's taken on water. Without Declan Rice, mm-hmm. I don't think they can survive it. I don't think they're a top four club without Declan Rice. With Declan Rice, totally different. And the way that this fixture mm-hmm. is scheduled, they would have had a really good shot with Declan Rice to take all three points here. That would have been massive for them. But I just think it's too much to overcome. I don't think they can stop Chelsea. I hope Chelsea are in a goal-scoring mood. And maybe they shook that off. Again, let's eliminate that Brighton game. Let's think. Let's hope that they are closer to the team that they were against Palace. In the Premier League. I- I'm expecting goals for Chelsea here. So I'm going go to go 2-0 to Chelsea. The one bit of hope for me with, with Chelsea in this match is West Ham does not really have good form against the big clubs. Yeah. Even since the turn of the year when they've been brilliant. Like Spurs is really their only impressive win. Lost to, lost to Liverpool. Lost to Man United in the FA Cup. Lost to Man United in the league. Drew with Arsenal. Lost to Man City. Like they don't have... 
they have not done well in the ter- since the turn of the year. How depressing is it that I framed that? I'm expecting goals was my framework for this, and then I predicted 2-0 because that is a massive goal-scoring display for Chelsea on the year. But I'm going to say 2-0, which is the trademark Chelsea Mike that prediction. By the way, if you want to make your own predictions here, go to the Chelsea Fist Hand app, play the Play Predictor game, and get shots at awesome prizes and compete against fellow Chelsea supporters. All right, thank you very much. Please subscribe to the feed. That is our currency over here at Chelsea Mike Up. Leave a five-star review, tell your friends, and please support Chelsea till we speak again of the Chelsea.